Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. You know, I, I want to say Happy New Year because this weekend, doesn't it feel just like a new year with a new school year and a new season and everything else that's happening? And uh, before we get going, I just want to tell uh, teachers, students, anyone affiliated with a school system or education uh, that I am so glad you're here this weekend and uh, just pray that this moment for you may even be just a dedicating Uh, As we worship God, dedicating this school year to God and dedicating this new season to Him and putting Him first. And I wanted you to know that I'm praying for you. Our staff, our church uh, stands with you and is praying for you as you navigate these times and the school year. May God give you endurance, patient endurance. May He give you enthusiasm. Uh, May He give you wisdom as you respond to uh, this call uh, that starts uh, really this week for so many people. And so God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, your time. Thank you for being here this weekend. Uh, We are in a series on truth. And the first week of this series was a couple weeks ago where I just started out and I said why I am a Christian. And I wanted to have an answer for why I am a Christian. And so I gave one and that is that I am a Christian because Christianity is true. And I explained why that's my reason and gave five ways that we can discern truth in our life. Then last week we answered who we are and where we come from, which is a big question and it answers the question of the dignity of our lives and really one of the most important questions you could ever ask in your life is who we are and where we come from. And if you missed either of those messages, you can search Rockbrook on anywhere you listen to podcasts or on our app or on our website and listen to those. Today, we're going to answer another fundamental question of truth, and that is, why is the world so messed up? And all of us would agree with that question needing to be asked. Uh, it just doesn't take a lot of work for us to get to come to that conclusion that something's messed up. Not everything in the world is good. Not everything in the world is beautiful. In fact, it's obvious that real evil exists in our world. You can look at any kind of news site and just go through the sections. You go to the international section, there's terrorism, war, chaos. You go to the national section, you find payoffs and lies and scams. You go through the local section, you're going to find abuse and murder and arson. You go to the business section, you find fraud and embezzlement. You go through the sports section and there's illegal drug use and adultery and illegal gambling. And you go through the entertainment section and you find scandal and delusion. And no rational person would look at all of this and deny that evil, real evil, exists in this world. So, Today's message uh, is sobering. Uh, I do believe, though, if you'll stay with me, that some pressure will lift off of you today. And don't miss next week's message, because it's really part two of this one, is what's the solution to all of this? What do we do about all of this? So today's going to end, and you're going to feel like, man, that just, just ended. <laughs> uh, but there's, there's more to this. And 
Today I want to look at the reason it got messed up, the results of all of that, and then God's rationale of why does he let it continue? Why does he allow it to happen? So why is the world all messed up? And I'll just get right to the point of the reason is we've all sinned. When we sin, it brings evil into the world. What is sin? Sin is any attitude, any action against God. When we do things that are against God, it brings sin, it brings evil into the world. Where did it all get started? Got started at the very first couple, Adam and Eve, back in the Garden of Eden. The Bible says in Romans 5, 12, when Adam sinned, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. When we sin, it brings evil into the world. There was no death, and therefore death, and there was no death prior to this, but it came into the world with sin. And it didn't just stop with Adam and Eve, we've all been culprits as well. Scripture says that there is not a single person in all the earth who is always good and never sins. I don't live up to my own standards for myself, let alone God's perfect standards. I'm a, I let myself down, I let the people around me down, let alone God, my creator. And it's a universal problem. In fact, if we claim to be without sin, John tells us this, that if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We're, we're just lying. We're lying to ourselves. We're living a lie. But the fact is all of us have attitudes and actions that go against God. Now, there are actually three different kinds of words or three words for wrongdoing in the Bible. Three different words that are used. One is called sin. One is called transgression. The other is called iniquity. What's the difference? Uh, sin, a visual image for sin, would be like if you were to shoot a bow and arrow and you had a target you're shooting at and the arrow falls short and you miss, you miss the mark. That's sin. It literally means falling short. <clears throat> And that's, I mean, that's serious. My life does not make it. My life does not add up. It doesn't get me to where I need to go. And we willfully do this. You know, we think the story of the, the account of the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, that they just naively, dismissively eat of the wrong tree when actually they knowingly disobey God they knowingly believe that God is holding something out on them, that God is holding goodness from them, and instead of trusting him, instead of believing God, they believe a lie, and we all do it. We've all done this, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. A Texas pastor was teaching this, and uh, he said, we've all fallen short, but thank God he forgives our fallen shorts. <laughs> And I've had a few fallen shorts too. Uh, but the point here is when we fail to meet God's purpose, when we fail to respond to his call, it's called sin. The other word or another word is transgression and it means to go further. You go past it. So you don't fall short, it doesn't add up, but you actually go past. Transgression means it's a deliberate, intentional, willful decision to break the parameter that God has put on your life. 
God said there are certain parameters in your life. He says, don't do these things. Don't touch that stuff. Don't look at this. Flee from that area. Don't go to that place. Don't do these things. And when we break that, that's a transgression. Then the third is iniquity. And iniquity talks about the attitude of our heart. It's the basic disposition to do my own thing, to wander. And God says, I I want you to do this, but you say, well, I think I'm going to do that. And you have a tendency to wander away from God. And it's it's the natural dispositions of our heart and our attitude of anger, of envy, of lying. It's the heart dispositions. In Psalm 32, verse 5, Uh, you see all of these. He says, then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And he forgave my guilt. He forgave the guilt of it all, forgave the guilt of my sin. Now, why in the world do we do this? Why in the world would, I mean, after God made us, loves us, created us, we owe everything to God, why do we choose to reject the creator and worship created things and do our own thing. Romans 8, 7 says the sinful nature, this is in us. It's always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. Our flesh, our sinful nature uh, does not follow God. And that's why we need a new, na- new nature. That's why we have to come to Christ and, and get a new spirit because our sinful nature is the tendency to be self-centered, self-focused, and it has messed up this world. How did the world get so messed up? Uh, it got messed up with Adam, with humanity. Then we followed his example. Every time I sin, it damages something. It damages me. It damages another person. It damages my relationship to God, the world, something. And the question then is, what is the result? What, why, what's the result of sin? If you're taking notes, it's this, and you need to know this term, this phrase, is that we live in a fallen world. The Bible calls it the fall. In other words, everything on this planet has been damaged, injured, spoiled, corrupted in some way by the entry of evil in the world, which was not here before sin. And a lot of people don't understand this and they, they ask, they look at something in the world, they ask, why is this happening? And when they ask that question, it's revealing that they don't have a proper worldview that answers that question. That's why our worldview is so essential and it has us ask the right questions. And it's another reason why I've been announcing each week of this series, a class we're beginning on the week of September 19th called Foundations. And if you want to scroll down to the bottom of your outline or look down at the bottom of your outline, this semester in Foundations will cover topics like where did we get the Bible and how do, we know, how do I know I can trust it? What is God like? Is Jesus God, a man, or both? Who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do in my life? You may be a mature believer who needs to refresh your mind and heart on these essential truths. You may be a brand new believer desiring to start your faith journey by establishing a strong foundation on the truth. You may not be a believer or know what you believe and are just curious. This would be great for you, your small group, your family, or if you want to come as a couple, uh, we can help you with that. There's information on, uh, on these locations of how to get involved in that. We'd love to have you. Today, I, I just want to quickly look at five dimensions 
of the damage. That this fallen world has affected five areas. It has natural implications. It has physical implications. It has emotional, relational, and spiritual implications every time we sin. Let's look at them. What are the five areas or results of living in a fallen world? And the first is there are natural implications. There are natural disasters and deformities. People ask, why? I mean, good grief, let's just take the last week and a half. Why are there earthquakes? Why are there droughts? Why are there hurricanes? And it's very simple. This planet is broken. It's fallen. Nature doesn't always act in a rational way. It often acts in an irrational way. Scripture tells us creation is confused. When you look at things like how did, uh, how did animals get deformed or defective and why are sometimes babies born with major defects and it's because of the fall. And all the disasters we have in the world are the result not of God but of sin, of rebelling against him. And the problems on this planet are the result of an evil world, evil in the world. The Bible tells us there's this phrase that uses that all creation is groaning with pain. Why is creation groaning in pain? It's because creation was made to be in harmony, but it's not in harmony. In fact, it's quite harsh. So there are natural disasters and deformities. Secondly, there is physical death and decay. Our bodies are getting weaker, they're getting older. There are no perfect bodies. Yeah, you can airbrush a body into perfection, but that's not reality. There's no perfect body. Not everything works right in your body. If we were in a perfect planet, there'd be no need for doctors and there'd be no need for medical bills. Come on, somebody. But now we have death and decay in our life. The Bible says that everyone dies because all of us are related to Adam, the first man. There's death in the first man. There's life in Jesus Christ. Now, one of the reasons we die, uh, quite frankly, is a blessing. God doesn't want us hanging around on an imperfect planet forever. In one of my favorite movies, Secondhand Lions, there's these two old guys and they start gardening. And one guy says to the other, it's good for you. It'll make you live to be 100. And the second guy throws his shovel and walks away and says, you live to be 100. <laughs> like, I ain't doing that. God says, I didn't make you to live in an imperfect place forever. I made you to live in, to be in per perfection forever. I made you to be in heaven with me. And scripture tells us that all creation is anticipating the day when it will join in freedom from death and decay. A third result of the fall is on our emotions. There is emotional distress and disappointment. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but most things do not live up to their hype. Most things are overrated. Most events are hyped up and you go and it finishes and you say, uh, that's it? That's all there is? Uh, most things, I went to uh, just even a movie a couple weeks ago. I was excited to see people had hyped up this movie so much and it ended and I'm like, it just, that's, that's it? And this old guy behind me says to his wife, who he'd been talking too much through the movie, he goes, I must have missed something. <laughs> like, that's all there is. And I mean, how often do we go on a vacation 
And we come back with stress and disappointment just like we had before. It's because most things are overrated. And if you are a perfectionist, you're going to live constantly with disappointment because there's nothing perfect in this world. The Bible says there is nothing perfect except for the truth. God's word is perfect. It's the only thing that's perfect. And everything is going to disappoint you constantly. Friend, God will not disappoint you. When God makes all things right, and when you make it to heaven, it'll be the first time in your life that you go, you're not going to stand there and say, this is it? This is what we've all been waiting for? This is all you're going to do? No, God is going to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. Put your hope there. You know, part of growing up is just learning how to deal with stress and disappointment. You don't succeed in everything you do. And if kids don't learn how to fail, they are going to be warped in life. They have to learn how to fail. Not just with your circumstances, but you're going to have to learn how to deal with disappointment in yourself. Uh, Because we let ourselves down a lot too. You know, you finally come to the point where you realize all my dreams probably aren't going to come true. You come to the point where you realize, you know, I'm not really as good as I think I am. I can't really do as much as I thought I could do. I can't impact this the way I thought I could impact it. And you start getting disappointed with yourself. Paul says in Romans 7 that he came to a place where he realized he didn't have what it takes. That that you can't just will things to happen. And so we have to stop living in denial. The fourth result of living in a fallen world is relational distance and discord. Now don't miss this. When Adam and Eve sinned, it not only broke a connection with God, it broke their connection with each other. And all of us have had to deal with that ever since. All the marital problems in life, all the family crises in life, all come down to one word, sin. Every single marriage conflict is based in sin. I want what I want. You want what you want. And if the couple doesn't start giving up what they want for what God wants, they grow apart. This is why God is, you put God at the center of your marriage. You both sacrifice for Christ, sacrifice for God, grow closer to God, and you've grown closer to one another. People will say, and can I just say this the way I want to say it this morning? People say we're incompatible. Incompatibility is a synonym for immaturity. You either grow up or you grow apart. The thing that Adam did after he sinned, the two things after he did, every man and woman has done since. He hid and he blamed. That's what sin does in a relationship. When you sin in your relationship, you're afraid to go to God, you're afraid to go to one another, and you're not, you don't reveal your true self. Then we get defensive. Sin makes us defensive and we blame others. Sin makes us demanding in our relationships. It's a result of the fall. So we have relational distance and discord. And fifth, the fifth result is spiritual. We have spiritual discontent and darkness. There is a God-shaped vacuum in your life that nothing else can fill. To be satisfied, we try to fill it with other things. We try to fill it with popularity, with hobbies, with work, with success, with sports, with politics. It's like putting a square peg in a round hole. 
It doesn't fit. You were made for God. You were made by God and for God. And until you make that connection, you're going to be running. You're going to be looking. You're going to be discontent. Job said, I am like a caravan lost in the desert searching for water. When you get disconnected from the source of life, that is God, your creator, it leads to an emptiness inside of you. And it's going to lead to spiritual darkness. Darkness means you're just bumping around through life. I don't know where I came from. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know who I am in between. Friends, uh, this is not a pretty picture. It's not fun to study. It's not fun to talk about. It's not fun to preach on. And it's not fun for you to be faced with every day in your life. And it is no wonder why there is an epidemic of depression in our world. It's no wonder why there is dysphoria over who we are, who we were created to be, why we exist, why God created us the way he did. It's the result of the fall. People are confused. Creation is confused. People are confused. And I would be depressed and confused too if I thought this was the end of the story, but it's not. Like This isn't the end of the story. Praise God, I'm not about to pray right now, okay? Like, we're not done. And there's more next week as well. But we've seen the reason the world is a mess. It's sin. We've lost sight of God. But here's the big question I have, is why doesn't God, like, why does he let it continue? Why doesn't God just pull the plug on the whole thing? Why doesn't he shut the earth down? When he looks and sees this mess, why doesn't he just pull the plug on the planet? Why does he put up with it? Why is he allowing a broken planet with broken people to limp along a little bit longer? Because although the world's broken, uh, God has the final say. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever he wants. So what does he want to do? Why is he letting this continue? And history is moving toward a climax and Peter addresses this question in a second letter that he wrote that's in the New Testament. It's called Second Peter. And in chapter 3, he addresses the question, why does God let it continue this way? And I would encourage you today to sit down with the study Bible and read Second Peter chapter 3. But I wanted to just take a little bit of time at the end of this message and highlight some big sections in this and give some answers of what God is doing And let me read the passage first and then I'll give you a a point that you can write in. But starting in verse 3, he says, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. And and the last days, he's not referring to a specific prediction in time at this point. He's talking about the church age that we're in, that we are in the last days. At any moment, you could stand before God. Either through death or rapture, at any moment, you could be before God and you'd be prepared for that. In the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Meaning nothing's changed. Give up. He's not coming. It's not real. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. So he's referring to the one world flood where 
God called Noah to build an ark to save his family, to save humanity. By the same word, the present heavens and the earth are reserved for fire. So God gave us a rainbow at the end of the flood as a promise, as a symbol of his promise, of his sign that he will not flood the the earth again. It will not be destroyed with water, but it's reserved for a future destruction of fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. And so we have a decision. We can be a scoffer that says, you know, this actually isn't real. And God's never, Christ is never returning. And God's not making this right. Or we can put our trust that God does complete his promises, that he does keep his promises, that what's happened before is true and what's coming before us, in front of us, is true. And God gives us a choice. Allowing sin in the world, even though it hurts him, what is sin? It's an offense against God. God is not an emotionless being. Sin hurts him. He's offended by it. God made you in his image. You are not an animal. You are a human being. That means you have a free moral choice. Animals go by instinct. You have a conscience. God says, I want you to choose with what I gave you, I want you to choose to love me. I'm not going to force it on you. I mean, I can't say I love you if I have the choice not to. God says, I'm not going to force you to worship me. You can believe in my son, Jesus, or you can reject him, but I'm going to give you that choice. That's the good news, is we have a choice to follow, follow God. Here's the bad news. You must be willing to live with the consequences. While you are free to choose to do anything in life, you're not free from the consequences. You know, people say, I'm free to do whatever. That's true. You're not free from all the consequences of that. I'm free after church today to go do drugs. I'm not free from the consequences of it. I'm free to go do something illegal. I'm free to go do something that would absolutely devastate my family. I'm not free from the consequences of it, from the fallout of it. I am free to turn my back on God. I'm free to scoff at him. I'm not free from the consequences of that choice. And I could live my entire life doing my own thing, forgetting God. But I would have to be willing to live with the consequences of that for eternity because that's the choice. And God gives us an opportunity to choose him. Therefore, choose life choose grace, choose forgiveness, choose hope, choose a future. There's going to be a day of accounting where you explain to God why you made the choices that you did. Here's the second reason why God is allowing the earth to limp along. In verse 8, he says, but do not forget this one thing. Dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And, and, In the Greek, that doesn't read like a mathematical equation as much as a point that God's not on your timetable, okay? That what you see as long isn't exactly what God sees as long. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with who? With you, not wanting anyone to perish. That perish means an eternity without him. He doesn't want you to go to hell but he wants everyone to come to repentance to be saved. The second reason why God lets this continue a little while longer is to show 
our need, if you're taking notes, for a savior. The reason why God puts up with all the grief on this planet is because he's being patient. He's waiting for you to step across the line to know him. He wants you in his family. Or if you are in his family, he wants you to share his good news with other people. Because this is our opportunity. When God shuts it down, when you pass away, it's over. There's no opportunity after that. God says, I'm willing to wait a little bit longer to extend this opportunity for salvation because this is it. And the worse the world gets, the more we realize we need God. That's true in our life. The more messed up your life gets, the more you realize, you know what, I'm not such a good manager of it after all. And you start realizing a need for God. And sometimes it takes you to be laid flat out on your back to finally look up to God. And it takes pain and God will allow that pain because eternity is on the line. Because he cares about you, because he loves you. And our human nature is to say, well, I don't don't need God. I mean, we might not articulate it this way, but in our heart, we think, I know what will make me happier more than God. I know what's useful more than God. I know what's right more than God. And we think just like Adam and Eve, well, God's holding something out on me. He's holding out goodness from me. So I'm going to go ahead and do what I want to do. And what do we end up with? Broken hearts, broken bodies, broken dreams, broken promises, broken memories. But this takes the pressure off. Christ is a savior. How does that take the pressure off? You know, there are things in your life that you don't like about yourself. There are things in your life you don't like about you. Things in my life I don't like about me. And I'd change them if I could. Uh, 35 years, I haven't been able to. There are things in your life you've tried your whole life to change about you. You can't. I mean, I I could probably give you a list of a hundred things that you know would be good for you and you still wouldn't do some of them. I could give you a list of a hundred things you know would be bad for you and you would still do some of those. Why? Because we are powerless on our own. This is why it's such a breakthrough when people uh, go work the steps of Celebrate Recovery to come to a realization, I am powerless. I don't have what it takes. I need a Savior. I need God in my life. I don't need another system. I don't need another list of things to do and things to don't do so my life can maybe add up to where I hit the mark. I'm powerless to do that. I don't need a system. I need someone. I need someone to come from heaven to earth to live the perfect life that I could not live, to die in my place, the death that I am sentenced because I have this sinful nature and to rise from the dead and conquer death for me and gift life to me. I cannot earn it. I need it given to me by someone who's powerful enough to save. And the more we go down this track and the more we go down in this world, the more we show our need for not a system, not another law, not another legislation, but a savior. And his name is Jesus Christ. Here's the third reason. Third reason, verse 15. Notice his words here. Above all, but do not forget this one thing. Bear in mind, that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He's going to go on and and say that 
the, the, uh, the Apostle Paul's letters are Scripture. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. And then verse 18, he gives a summary of what this whole letter, why he wrote this whole thing, what it's about. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Why does God let this continue? Number three, it's to demonstrate his grace. When somebody comes to you and says, well, I just can't believe in a God. I can't worship a God. I can't love a God who would callously, and stand, callously stand by. Well, I don't believe in that God either. In fact, God isn't like that kind of God. I mean, you have no idea how much it hurts God when he sees the sin of the earth. I mean, you think you're better than him? That it hurts you more than it hurts him? God has emotions, and God feels it much more intensely, feels it far more than you ever will. He's far more concerned about the events of the world than you. Uh, You don't think about it all the time. He sees it, thinks about it all the time. He's watching. He cares. And I believe in a God who one day is going to stop evil dead in its tracks, and there's going to be an accounting. And one day, he is going to shut down all of the evil on this world and all the evildoers with a holy wrath and justice that settles the score. And he's going to bring those who love him and are his children and who put their faith in him to live with him forever in a perfect place on a refined, purified earth with a new heaven on a new earth. And the only reason he's holding back his judgment on evil And what it's done to people that he loves and what it's done to humanity is Peter says he's waiting for you. And he's waiting for others to step across the line because he says everybody I know that's going to be in is getting in. And he already knows who's going to say yes. He knows the future. He does not determine all of it. He, He lets us choose. He created us in his image to have a free will and a choice, and he's waiting for you. Yes, the world is broken. Yes, there is evil. But God, God made a way for us to be saved. He made a way for his grace to be extended. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus Christ, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's pray together. But dear God, I look out over our church family, uh, over this service, and there is a lot of pain right now. Um, People that have experienced the fallout of sin uh, in their life. Uh, They have faced uh, disasters, deformities. They have suffered um, the death of a loved one. Uh, There is stress and disappointments and Uh, There are relational conflicts and and discord. And spiritually speaking right now, things are dark, things are heavy, and it's hard to see. And it's hard to keep having hope. And I pray that today, Lord, that we would just once again turn our needs over to you. 
that there would be a fresh wind of trust and faith in you. And church, I'm just going to pray a, a prayer of seeing Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And if you want to pray this with your heart and mind, in your heart and mind with me, uh, please do. Jesus Christ, I need you and I accept you as the Lamb of God, as a perfect sacrifice, who lived a perfect life in my place, died in my place, rose from the dead, and gives the power, the same power that rose Christ Jesus from the dead, can live in us and give us life and life for eternity. And God, I thank you for giving me a choice. Because of that choice, I can come to you today and choose you and choose to put my trust in you. I can choose good over evil, and I'm choosing life over death. God, thank you for being patient with me up to this point. Thank you for helping me see my need for a Savior. God, it's been a tough road. It's been heartbreaking. It's been hard, but I'm here today, and I need you. Thank you for your grace, and God, help me to remember that this place is temporary. Help me to reject man-made solutions, but to realize you are all that I need. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.